Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. exciting episode because you and I have already talked about this once before. We may have even done this intro once before. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but on a previous podcast that I used to be a part of, my favorite episode of, you picked this as a Christmas must-watch. And when it came down to picking a guest, uh, of course, I had to pick one of my favorite Mr. Holly Jolly people, Joey from Dark Hills Events and Claws in Effect. Joey, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So why did you want to talk about this episode so badly? Well, aside from it combining uh, holidays and nerdy guys getting loved by uh, beautiful women, <laughs> it is also uh, the first episode of The O.C. that I ever watched. You and I have that in common. Well... We're going to dive into this. I'm going to try my best to not talk about every single song that shows up in this episode because, boy, are there a lot of songs in this episode. But we kick off with this surfy version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town before we descend into the Cohen house to be reminded that Seth Cohen is the king of having only child syndrome. <laughs> Absolutely. Has there never been a worse case? on television oh no absolutely not i mean again the height of narcissism inventing your own holiday um <laughs> and also like being like rich like being like let's face it he's a rich kid <laughs> he like needs to he didn't need to create a holiday in order to like you know what is it eight days of presents followed by one day of like many like uh, many presents, many presents that was the, that's the funniest thing is he's going through that and i'm like i know that people will take these fictional holidays and celebrate them. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. they're like, oh, Festivus, I can celebrate Festivus. There is no one that I know who has the amount of money that's necessary to properly have Seth Cohen's level of Christmas. Right. <laughs> I wanted to ask too, and maybe you know this, Joe, Ryan, does he get an allowance or does he work a job? I can't remember if they mentioned it in the show or not. Because he got hired at that fish place for like an episode, but I think it was just to introduce Donnie. Well, it's like <laughs> yeah. they're buying him presents and they expect him to buy them presents. And he literally says at one point, I saved up enough for one gift. 
and yeah. they're literally just like you know seth is just spending mommy and daddy's money I think it's a point of pride, though. Ryan seems mm-hmm. like the type of person who, like, obviously, if Ryan wanted to get 13 Christmas gifts, Mommy and Daddy Cohen would sign the checkbook and let him go and do it. But I think it's a point of pride of, like, no, I, you've already you've already welcomed me into your home. I am refusing to take any <laughs> additional hand-me-down. I agree. Dude, the, the one that blew my mind more was I actually wrote down, Ryan has been living with you for six months. Mm-hmm. What exactly did you expect his holiday memories to be when you were <laughs> bugging him about this? <laughs> Considering that, like, like what has happened up till now, right? Drunken, uh, drunken mother who kicked him out, like, caused a scene at casino night. The brother is in prison. <laughs> like, they went to jail. This episode is one of those episodes where it's like, you can see it for the first time and not having seen any of the episodes prior to it and like immediately okay we understand that you are this is fish out of water you don't belong this is not your world right now i don't want to give the creators that much credit that this was that they were going to be like oh there's going to be like a ton of podcasts and it's going to be a part of people's like you know yearly rewatch for the holiday but you're you're right matt it's just like there's what did they expect? Like, you know, Sandy Cohen, like, saw him, like, watched his, like, mother abandon him and, like, clean out their, like, halfway house looking home. It's just not, it's sobering, but it's like every episode we get that, right? Every episode up till now, we get a little bit of that reminder that this is not uh, where Ryan is from. Yeah. And this is also an episode where, and this is coming from a person who has not had nearly the level of Seth Cohen hate that um, some of the past guests <laughs> and co-hosts have maybe had. But um, it's nice to see Seth get taken down a couple notches in this episode because mm-hmm. he really kind of goes into this whole... The, the first like 40 minutes of this episode, he is confident that he can ride this Anna and Summer train for for as long as he needs and that is just simply not the case mm-hmm. all the way down to the fact that he's giving them the exact same christmas gift and it's a christmas gift about himself mm-hmm. yeah like here's things <laughs> to know more about me yeah. uh and that is of course the seth cohen starter pack that includes a death cab for cutie cd a bright eyes cd a shin cd uh caviar and clay i think is what he said Caval- cavalier and clay and a copy of the goonies so, so I, Joe, you asked me this question in the past. I wrote down my 2023 answer, but I'm going to propose it to all three of us. What is your enter name here starter pack? Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I should have known this would come up. I, I can start since I have mine written down. If that if that makes it easier to to buy some time for the other two but, here who are having this question sprung on them. Mine is going to be way too easy and a little bit shallow. Okay. Right off the bat, I know that it's going to be um, Weird Al Yankovic. Um, probably, I can't remember the name of the album. The one with Nature Trail to Hell. That's my favorite one of them. Okay, albums. in 3D. Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic in 3D. Uh, the book is going to be Stephen King's It. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe a secondary copy of Something Wicked This Way Comes. And the DVDs okay. are going to be Doctor Who and Twilight Zone. All right. 
I may have just mentally changed one of these because you're right. Weird Al absolutely belongs in my starter pack. You didn't have Weird Al in your starter pack? I did not have Weird Al in my starter Actually, you know what? I'm redoing my whole starter pack. Oh. <laughs> I'm actually cutting Weird Al for my starter pack as well, actually. Um, what I'm going to give them is the uh, Jim Henson biography. Okay. <laughs> Chuck Klosterman's Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. The movie Harold and Maude, the Ooh. Garden State soundtrack, oh. and the first season of Scrubs. <laughs> two two Zach Braffs in there. We got two Zach Braffs. I can't speak for him as a human. I have mm -hmm. no clue. But man, <laughs> did two thousand four Matt Kelly really relate to anything Zach Braff was doing? <laughs> oh man, oh, God, I don't know. It's really tough to be that egotistical. Like, you have to really... <laughs> like, it's also hard to boil down... I'm sure it's a lot easier at 16 to boil down who you are. Once you, like, enter into your 30s, it's like, all right, I've got 30-something years of experience that I have to boil down to five random objects to hand a person. See, now, if you're like me and you haven't matured past age 19, it, it's a lot easier. Look, I made a reference to me being young to a friend... And they're like, we're old. And I'm like, we're only old if you're only old because you stopped living like you were 22. I am still firmly living the exact same life that I was living. You're like, I don't For know about you, life. but I'm feeling 22. <laughs> I'm feeling 22. <laughs> um, uh, so, okay. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really honest. I, I struggle with being like perceived in this way. Like, to yes. distill my entire being down to like five objects, cultural objects to hand over to somebody, right. mainly because it's like I simultaneously want to be known and like I want people to know and perceive me, but I also do not want to be pigeonholed by these five objects, right? That seems Would it be really weird. Would if I just subscribe them to five of my podcasts instead? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we spend so much. You know, I mean, we're all we're we're all podcasters here. We spend so much time, like just like putting a lot into it. It's like you really want to know me, then here's what you here's what you got to know. And also, like, I'm not like an albums person. Like, I'm a yeah. I'm a compilations person. So, like, well, that's why I put the. You'll notice my only music one was the Garden State soundtrack. That's true. Like, that's true. It's like a cheat code. If I had <laughs> to, the things that came off the off the top of my head, right? So, as far as books, uh, I would probably give them. Um, this is a newer thing, but I'd probably give them a copy of Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is a gay romance novel that came out in 2019 by nice. author Casey McQuiston. Um, I would most likely give them uh, Midnight Mass from Netflix on wow. DVD. Really? Okay. Um, <laughs> it's heavy, but like, it's heavy, but that's also kind of... It, it affected me so much that like I did an entire like unit a month on Fright School about Catholic horror just because I wanted to talk about Midnight Mass. It's so wild because that is my least favorite of all the Mike Flanagan Netflix <laughs> specials. And I know that I'm in the minority on that. Like I know I'm very much in the minority on that. But... I'm with Joe, but I came from a Catholic household that like... that's And that's the thing. I came from a very non-denominational Christian upbringing. So for me, it's like, give me the... 
the gothic romance of Bly Manor all day or no give me the the like give (laughs) me the uh um the perverting of uh the perversion of scripture in order to justify vampirism Um, (laughs) all day every day like there are just scenes where I'm just looking at it and I'm like we do this this is what we've been doing (laughs) what we've been doing for years um I would probably also add there. So those are two things, right? So I probably also yep. add there um, the movie Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Okay. And if I had to do like music, I would probably make them a playlist because I have. Um, so with my with my most recent ex, one thing we did in the beginning of our um, in the beginning of our like seeing each other was we each made a playlist of the like 100 songs that speak that are no skips that like speak directly to who we are, our essence, our soul. Um, and so I would probably take those 100 songs and either put them on a CD or put them on a flash drive and say, here's here. Uh, here you go. And then also I would probably make a separate list of uh, just like songs that I was uh, island music that I grew up with, uh, like living on Guam. So like a bunch so of not the, the first season of the OC, you wouldn't, I would not give them the first season of the OC because that's my thing. And we need to experience that together. Uh, but yeah, that's the other thing too, is that like, I don't think the shows that I watch on a regular basis would be anything that I would give them just because like, they're so, I think they're so specific to me that I don't know if I would share them. Does that make sense? No, I, so my thing, my, I think that the biggest flaw in the starter pack with the exception of maybe a book is like, I want to be there when Mm -hmm. you are first exposed to that media. I want to be with you when you listen to death cab for the first time, or when you watch Goonies for the first time, like, I want I want to be part of that ride. I don't want to just like hand it to you and be like report back later. Like <laughs> such a weird call. What's crazy is that the OC for me was essentially part of my then girlfriend's starter pack. We essentially did a TV show exchange where she was like, "You want to know me? You come over and we're going to watch Dawson's Creek and the OC," which had essentially just started. And in turn, I had her watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So we had a teenage go. TV show swap. So um, on theme. I I love the weird. Now we've had two different guests where there's this weird Dawson's Creek, the OC overlap uh, in their in their origin stories, which I mean, it makes sense for sure. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So we get past the, the weirdness. Well, we don't get past that. There will be plenty more before this episode's over. But Seth is doing Seth's thing. Yeah. Ryan is like, you're going to have to pick somebody soon. And he's like, nah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Everybody's happy with this setup. It's yeah. like, <laughs> wait, could we go back a little bit? Because like the narcissism, right, of just like, here are here are the things. Um, my gift to you is a uh, entirely about me. Um, no context, no context. Like, I expect you to love them as much as I love them. That's the other mm-hmm. thing, too, is that like, I like to give gifts. Um, when I give gifts to people, I like to give them something that they will actually like and use and I make it exactly. It's the gift is should be about them. Shouldn't be about me. Um, And this is just like, it's just kind of banana sandwich that he's like, let me give you the five things that, uh, that make me up, but I'm not going to give it to you without context. And if you really want to know me, you're going to love it. 
And I'm like, uh, I I met Summer. She doesn't look like a Death Cab fan to me. No, she's already shat talked them. Yeah. <laughs> On the drive to TJ, she was like, this is bad music. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a whole album of it now with the Shins who aren't that far off musically and Bright Eyes, who's even more sad boy than the Shins and Death Cab combined. Like, she'd hate that. I almost wish, I'm going to jump to the end real quick. I almost wish that it wasn't just that Anna and Summer said, I don't want to be friends to him, right? Like, I wish that that wasn't the breakup. I want both of them to accept him mm -hmm. saying, like, like, I want it reversed. I want it to show Seth telling Summer, I want to date you. Here's the Christmas gift and her opening it and being like, I dressed up like Wonder Woman for you. That had nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. And your gift is about me. I am not interested. Walks away. Then he gives it to Anna. And it's the same fucking situation that both of them call him out mm -hmm. on the fact that they gave a fully selfless gift that is exclusively good for an audience of one person who is yeah. Seth Cohen. And Seth Cohen could not step out of his own little bubble to give them a gift that meant something to them. <laughs> Like, yeah, the, the the idea that like the gift is him, right? Like he yeah, is this yeah. big prize. Yeah, exactly. My the like uh, subsequent rewatches as I have <laughs> of the OC, uh, you know, like like within the last, I'm gonna say within the last four years, have just like the stock on Seth Cohen falls like so dramatically. Yeah, I'm I'm already seeing it in my first few viewing. Is like I. But I've said before, the thing that I hate the most is that I see so much of high school and college me in Seth Cohen that it's almost painful. I'm like, oh, my God, I was this guy. That's <laughs> like, why I, I liked the show, because high school me was like comic book movies were just becoming a thing. And here's this character who loves comic books. I love comic books. Here's this super nerdy character who just like I loved him so much and adam brody put so much charm on it and i have not watched this episode since i saw it on tv at mm -hmm. like age 17. so it just yeah. like was crazy to revisit it and feel like an adult now yeah <laughs> like, like imagine because you're you're the only parent on this oh, on yeah. this recording imagine if one of your kids told you that they're going to give their girlfriend five things like you'd be like no oh, oh yeah i mean if i knew if i like if my child was seth and i knew what seth was up to i would have been like a this is my fault b now i need to fix it because it's, it's yeah, bad. Like, let's jump into a little bit of the cohen situation happening uh and then we'll get back to seth because there's plenty to talk about with seth too but it's breakfast time Sandy walks in, says the Christmas has been ruined, which also just there's a part of me that hates how much Kristen and Sandy have just gone all in on this, this fake holiday, but whatever, uh, which Seth does have a great line of it can't be ruined. It's got twice the resistance of a normal holiday. Uh, and I do love that that keeps coming up. The, the idea of like, look, I got Jesus and Moses on my side because it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. time. <laughs> like the, the idea is is funny enough. Uh, but yes, it turns out that they were supposed to come up with a deal with Caleb. Caleb has now since rejected that deal. Kirsten has had it 
and is like, I'm taking my first Christmas vacation ever because I am not like you're being dumb and I'm not going to sit here and be the workhorse because you're making stupid decisions out of spite. Yeah. And that's pretty much the Cohen storyline until the final act at this point. But I want to keep our our listeners up to date with what's happening in every little facet of the plot line. But any thoughts on any thoughts on what's going on with the old lawsuit between the Coens here? <laughs> I, I don't think I have anything specifically with the plot. I mean, it's I feel like we've seen a lot of it already in the show. We've seen Caleb is a dick and Julie is a dickette. And, um, <laughs> you know, they're just they're those guys. Sandy is the best guy on the show. Um, yes. And, and Kristen is I feel like we're starting to see her fray more like her whole arc just seems to be like she gets frustrated and gets worse. So I, I feel like we've seen it all, but I, I want to say that one of the things I always liked about the OC, and especially now that I'm older, is that it isn't just a teen show. Uh, it isn't just like a soap opera. It is an all-ages soap opera where you have these adults doing shitty things and also like being entwined in their child children's lives. And I think that is part of the reason why it is still talked about today and why so many people loved it then and now. Because you could be an adult or a teen and relate. I think that that's why when I'm watching this, I'm like loving every moment of adult drama. The The adult drama is also so much lower stakes mm -hmm. <laughs> than anything that's happening in the teen's life. So it's like, this is just like, all right. In my heart and soul, I'm like, Sandy and Kirsten are fine. That is like an unbreakable bond. Mm -hmm. So whatever bullshit Caleb and Julie Cooper want to throw their way, like, it's just like, all right, this is just going to it's like it's like watching an episode of Friends. Like, you're like, they're mm -hmm. all going to be friends by the end of the 22 minute mark. Like, they're going to figure this out. So it's like so stress free. And then you introduce like fucking. Oh, no, here comes Marissa with a minor inconvenience. Time to grab some vodka from underneath the table and get shit faced. Like, I just yeah. can't. I have. This was my breaking point for sure. This episode, like I texted a friend and was like, I have fucking had it with Marissa Cooper's bullshit. Drama. Yeah. Like, and I and I know that this is just the fucking tip of the iceberg. I'm sure it gets progressively worse from here, but. In 13 episodes, I went from loving this girl to being so over all of her bullshit. Yeah, she doesn't make good choices. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's that's putting it very that's putting it very mildly. Um, I think that uh, I think that she'll find and you know, ref please feel free to refer this refer back to this moment, Matt, as we continue forward. That this is probably the last of for a little bit of the kind of like self-destructive marissa yeah. behavior uh for okay. for a little bit i mean it's not it doesn't entirely go away let's put it that way but at least for at least for the next few episodes maybe until the end of the series um end of the season um yeah that being said <laughs> that being said with marissa it's just like I can't I, like the like seeing the bottle and like putting it in the thing, the um, the shoplifting of it all. <laughs> the shoplifting, which is so funny because I forgot that that even happened by the time we hit record until I saw it in my notes. And I watched this this morning because like the, the thing is like, all right, the shoplifting ain't good. Whatever. Like it's a bad move. Whatever. 
it's kind of she gets like a slap on the wrist from everybody about it so it's like mm-hmm. moving on whatever but like sitting there as a person who actually likes ryan atwood it's like why are you putting this dude's entire fucking life on the line because you didn't want to go to the party that your mom was making you go like that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to at the end of the day she didn't want to go to this party so I'm going to get shit faced to make a scene and almost ruin my boyfriend's entire fucking life who's on probation by having an open bottle of vodka in the car that he's driving. Yeah. It's, oh my God, it made me so, I was like screaming because I also don't remember anything about this episode except for Summer Dresses Wonder Woman from the first time I watched it. So I'm like, oh no, what happened? It's like, I was like very nervous for fucking Ryan while watching this. I, I don't, I don't want to like say that I think everything Marissa does is realistic or anything, but I do want to say that being a parent and now being entwined in like the local school district and constantly dealing with other parents and their kids, I see what they were trying to do. And I, I could see as a teenager, them being like, oh, like, it's not what it's, it's how you feel, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. They understand that she has to steal. Maybe she's trying to get presents for her dad and she's trying to yeah. make him feel that's, better. I mean, that's what I assumed it was. Yeah. I honestly was like, she's stealing a watch for for Jimmy, which is, I do, yes. I do love the dialogue. There's a great line of dialogue shortly after where Seth is asking, <laughs> asking Ryan about it. And he's like, so what's going on? With, how was the trip with Marissa? And he goes, weird. And he goes, yes, you've really painted a picture for me. I feel like I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's possibly the best line in the whole episode i also i'm not sure if you guys caught this i screamed out loud there's a scene in the hallway where ryan and marissa are talking and one of ryan's lines of dialogue is clearly adr'd where he said nothing (laughs) yes yeah no lips moved whatsoever but he's just like so what are you doing today (laughs) yeah they they really didn't uh, count on people having like high definition television because you can really his 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 hand it's like it's firmly closed it's like this (laughs) it reminded me of friends where there's a there's an episode of friends where Joey comes in and he's like doing like this, like cheer chant rhyme thing. And his, like, he's not moving his lips. He's just smiling the entire time. And I'm like, yeah, this is, (laughs) this is what's happening right now. It was, I couldn't believe I had two different notes in the high school was that I couldn't believe that, that I had caught that. And then I also just wrote, why is Anna suddenly dressed like a Britney Spears backup dancer? (laughs) She like comes running in this pink jumpsuit with a matching pink hat. And I was like, that is not, that looks nothing like what Anna should be wearing based on all of the previous appearances of Anna. I don't know why, but she reminds me so much of, like a young Jennifer Tilly. Like if we saw Jennifer Tilly as a teenager, yeah. I don't know why. That's all I can think of when I see her. The, it's the I eyes. Can, mm. It's the it's definitely the eyes. I cannot explain how frustrating this love triangle is for me to be watching, putting myself in the shoes of Seth Cohen. To me, it is such an easy decision. Mm-hmm. The girl made you a comic book about you and your toy horse, Captain Oats. Like, if that doesn't scream, this person knows you so well and really cares about you. Like, 
I don't know what the fuck you're doing. I do have to admit, oh, well, actually, let me ask you guys this question because I was thinking about this just now. They do this really cool thing where it comes time for Seth. He has to talk to Anna and Summer and it's like this spinning camera effect and it's showing the conversation with both of them. Do you think that it was always Seth Cohen's intention to say, I think we should just be friends to both of them? Or did he make that decision after getting rejected by the first person? <laughs> I think, I, I, I do think that his plan mm. was to say that and keep pitting them against each other, you know, reject them a little by just saying we should be friends so that they'll come back to him. But I do think in the moment when Summer reveals Wonder Woman, he doesn't care. He's going to pick her. Yeah. He's, he's just going to go with his libido and see what happens. I just kept bouncing around in my head. I'm like, did he did he pick Summer, get rejected by Summer, and then was just too depressed and, and couldn't with good conscience flip the role back onto Annie? The, the shitty Anna. thing, right? Because he's pretty shitty this episode is for him to okay well one didn't work and so now let's move on to the other i i also don't think that he has that in him to be that shitty but at the same time he's really proving that he does he's really proving that he does it's after this happens he doesn't apologize he doesn't try to make amends he's still playing them he's just playing them differently it's just the mm -hmm. next stage it's the next stage of the playing and i mean i've seen next week's episode we're going to be record we always do two at a time and i i kind of i i like next week's episode for what it is but from my perspective on the seth anna summer thing i'm like i fucking hate this i <laughs> i hate that they both just can't get enough of that seth seth cohen like mm -hmm. like this should be the end of it this should be like the you are a narcissist i i bet if they actually opened the gifts that he had handed to them it would be they'd be done they'd be like i you are way too full of seth cohen right now i don't i don't know though because so if, if I'm allowed a small confession that will make you think a little bit worse of me, sometimes I don't think it's about the person. Sometimes I think it's just about being the person who wins. Um, because mm. I, ironically, at the time, like the girl that was showing me this show was not the only girl I was dating. I... Oh, and they both knew about bleed. each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a cheating thing. It was it was like uh, things aren't working out. Maybe we should try to be a little open. But then I, I met this new girl. I had my current girl. And the moment they found out about each other, the current girl, who had kind of been slowly drifting off, suddenly came back with like full force, like literally with goals of like, wearing different clothes like sandy from greece like just just to win like to win to win i don't think it was about winning me because i was no fucking prize i will absolutely admit to that <laughs> but it was just like you want to be the desired one you want to be the victor and i think that's a little bit of what's going on here i like to think mm -hmm. i i think that's fair i want to talk about the last like 
three minutes of this episode for a second because I wrote a note and it's it's an interesting note because again I've seen next week's episode and I wrote a note that said dear god I hope I never have to see this lobby kid ever again (laughs) 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 and then and then I hear the next week that his name is Oliver and I'm immediately thrown back to a previous guest saying the only fully, truly unredeemable character in the history of the show is Oliver. And I thought, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I immediately knew I'm stuck with this motherfucker <laughs> for, for a long for a while. time. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that made me laugh out loud right up there with that ADR Ryan line is I don't know how much budget they ran out on where they couldn't create believable looking rented video cases. But I love it. like, I rented these movies and they're just like empty DVD cases with a computer printed sheet of paper with the names of the movies typed onto it. I was like, I have rented from almost every video store imaginable. And never once have I saw that egregious of like, over the top in huge font across the front of a piece of paper shoved in the box. It was, that was top. That was like, they, I don't think anyone at the OC has ever rented a video before. <laughs> like, One thing I want to touch on that I love about this episode, and it it's a, a part that stuck with me and made it my favorite episode, even when I first saw it, uh, is just quickly going back to Seth and Anna and Summer is I love the moment where the girls see what the other did for Seth and they both acknowledge that it's amazing. Anna is like, you're beautiful in a way that I don't feel I can be. And Summer is like, you are intelligent in a way that I I don't feel I can be. And I mean, it, it sucks that they both love Seth and that he's playing them. But I remember seeing that moment. And even now, I still love that they both acknowledge their own strength and i feel like it's the beginning of them becoming stronger it's always stuck with me and i just i wanted to mention it i i think that they honestly summer and anna come out of this episode as like level-headed responsible mature adults and it's seth that's like the man baby (laughs) throughout the rest of it like seth seth stock plummets while both summer and Anna's stock go up and like you know Anna's stock has pretty much been been up since the second I was introduced to her on this show Joe knows she's been like my my OC crush (laughs) for the second she showed up yes well I don't get summer one bit I'm like I don't I don't this this person does nothing for me but yeah no I think that that is a real that is I'm glad that you called that out because that is a very good powerful moment and I and I think that that is cool that that they do start to build in that moment and then leading into next week's episode, they start to build an actual friendship that I also really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, even though their, their friendship, well, I, that, I'm skipping ahead, but yes, next week they they're I'll say that their friendship seems like it's almost built out of mutual rejection more than anything, mm-hmm. um, which is a sad way for a friendship to start. And I also, I, I texted Joe full transparency. I texted Joe this morning and was like, I feel very confident that there will not be a giant send off whenever Anna is no longer on the show that she'll just kind of, this storyline will come to an end and she will vanish. So I need you to like, when we watch the last episode, say, 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the last episode featuring and Anna. That's a series and, wrap on. Yeah, so, like, so. And I could use that for a lot of these minor characters because I have a feeling that as the season goes on, especially as a person who's watched, you know, Gilmore Girls, Dawson's Creek, all mm-hmm. of these other like teen dramas, the way that these like characters will show up for a couple episodes, they feel like they're part of the main cast and then they just kind of disappear. And you almost forget that they were ever a part of the show until you're doing a rewatching. You're just like, oh, yeah, what happened? Like, I for to go bring it back to Buffy, obviously, this character got spoiler alert for the first episode of Buffy. This character gets killed in the first episode, but I constantly forget that he even existed. <laughs> like, like, every time I watch the episode, I'm like, who's this motherfucker hanging out with Xander? <laughs> so. So I that that I think is just part of the teen drama script writing is like, yeah, you can just introduce students who suddenly never appear in class ever again and don't do anything at the school. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Does anyone else have anything they need to bring up on this episode before we start talking some music? Uh, To Joey's point... They, when Summer and Anna see, like, okay, each of them knows that, like, oh, Summer's more beautiful, feels like is confident in her body in a way that Anna isn't. Um, Anna is intelligent and and artistic, learned in a way that Summer isn't. Um, it also kind of reveals why Seth is drawn to both of them because they appeal to, like... Th- th- each of them separately like is half of like what one person like that he is looking for or like he's fixated on these these halves of these women as opposed to like seeing and accepting the whole of either one um yeah. i did just say accepting their whole um so <laughs> uh, but I, I couldn't i just couldn't let that go um but yeah that's the thing about the 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 beauty of that particular scene is or you know that that how that kind of unfolds is that like oh we realize that like you are the one you're the problem (laughs) and 
you're making us feel these things the, this way about us. And so we're not going to do it. We're not going to play your game anymore. Um, which is hilarious because like up until now, like we have been basically told by the show that Seth has no game. <laughs> yeah. Has we, no need, game uh, we really need someone to do a super cut of all Seth Cohen footage set to anti-hero from Taylor Swift. Cause he's the problem. It's yes. a good call. All right. There are, I believe eight songs in this episode, most with a Christmas angle. Not all though. Uh, we get Santa Claus is coming to town is performed by the ventures as uh, the opening shot. Um, Maybe This Christmas by Rex Sexsmith is when Marissa and Ryan go shopping. You Come In Burned by the Dandy Warhols plays while Seth and Kirsten are having a conversation about Ryan. Uh, then we just get some generic instrumental performances of Hanukkah Lights, um, which is when Anna and Summer show up to the uh, show up at the same time. And also uh, when Anna gives Seth his gift, it's an instrumental version of Silent Night. Peggy Lee's version of Winter Wonderland plays when the party first gets going. Uh, Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt plays as Summer becomes Wonder Woman for Seth. And finally, as the episode ends, we get Bright Eyes cover of Blue Christmas. So the question is, starting with Joey, what would you say is the song of this episode? Uh, I'm going to pick entirely off the scene. I love the use of Hanukkah lights in that awkward moment where the three of them are sitting on the couch. I think it just is a, a perfectly shot and directed moment. All right. Joe? Maybe this Christmas would mean something more. <laughs> <laughs> like the, a montage of like shopping in a mall, which like, ah, uh, love it. <laughs> How it's very two thousand it's very two thousand three. It's like this is the beginning of the decline of mall culture. And it's just so be also because like they're gonna re spoiler alert, but they are gonna reuse this song in like other Chrismica episodes, which okay. I just it's like which the I just secret love. theme of Chrismica. It's the secret theme. <laughs> it's the secret theme of like, you know, here's this tender moment and we want you to know that this is the we want you to know that you need to feel it's it's lulling you into a full sense of security right before all of the drama happens. Um, and when we get to season two's Chrismica episode, it's going to be even more more banana sandwich. But yeah, so it's, it's that song for me. It's the <laughs> it's the song that like it's very California with the with the way that the guitar comes in in the beginning and the like little jingle bells and the the acoustic kind of nature of it. It's just it feels it has that feel. And, you know, as someone who like, you know, has been living in Southern California for a long time, like that's the kind of feeling that I like at Christmas. It's holiday but it's not cold it's very warm i mean i'm going with bright eyes i actually really like the bright eyes christmas album in general so i forgot that this cover shows up at the end of the episode and got real excited when it started to play might be one of my favorite renditions of a christmas song i don't particularly like to begin with <laughs> i'm not i'm not a big blue christmas fan anyway but uh i think that this is the saddest that the song has ever sounded and it should sound sad because it's a sad <laughs> Christmas song. So I don't understand why people constantly want to make it like super poppy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I heard as soon as he started saying, I'm like, oh, this is going to be it, isn't it? This is it's going to be Bright Eyes for me. Um, and I'm sure that that'll continue to happen when Bright Eyes shows up inevitably again on this show. I'm just I have no evidence for that, but it's in the Seth Cohen starter pack. So I'm sure that there's more Bright Eyes up this this TV show sleeve. Uh <laughs> And now finally, look, when the OC came out, we all know it was a pop culture phenomenon. It put Phantom Planet on the map. 
made a made Adam Brody a household name. So it's at this time that we like to go around and talk about whatever major pop culture moment we've recently experienced or re-experienced. It could be something that's happening right now in the year of 2023, or it could be something from years ago. Mayans from 1944. So, <laughs> what is, What's yours? Now I'm really curious. Uh, I watched for the very first time uh, in December. I'm pulling, a, I'm pulling a Christmas thing in for Christmaca. For the first time last Christmas, I watched Holiday Inn, which was the very first time the world ever heard the song White Christmas. Uh, and there's a there's a few problematic, outdated things in in Holiday Inn. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you definitely know what I'm talking about. But beyond that, it is as sweet of a movie as you can ever expect when you've got Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby tap dancing and singing to win someone's heart. So uh, if you love those old classic movies, give it a spin. Maybe hypothetically accidentally sit on the remote when they perform a song for Abraham Lincoln's birthday, because it's probably going to have some stuff you don't want to have on your television set, but enjoy the rest of the movie from that point on. Um, I, <laughs> uh, we, uh, probably give you an idea of when we're recording this. Uh, my pop culture phenomenon, uh, pop culture thing is um, this kind of resurgence of the music of Rihanna. Um, oh post my God, yeah. post uh, 2023 Super Bowl performance. Um, so when, when the Super Bowl was going on, I was actually traveling. I was in San Francisco and like the Super Bowl happened. And then the rest of the, the day that we arrived, it was the Sunday of the Super Bowl and then we were there for a few more days and everywhere we went like every Uber that we took we were walking down the street and bars and restaurants like Rihanna was everywhere like you could just feel the music was back and it was just so good and such a reminder of how much that how much I love her music how much it just speaks to that like college pop sensibility and just like her voice in the performance held up has hold held up so much and i really hope i really hope sincerely that we get a new album before the end of the year but i also think that we're okay and she doesn't need to prove anything because you know she's a billionaire on all of her other stuff besides her music it's just that you know she her the music itself was just like yeah this is this is like aughts, like um, this is like the 2010, like late aughts, early 2010s, like nostalgia that um, I guess we're there. <laughs> I guess we're there having nostalgia for that uh, for that time period now. But it was just uh, it's been a nice uh, thing to revisit all of that music. All right. Yeah. And I mean, look, credit to her performing on what seemed like oh a Super God. Smash Brothers game level <laughs> with a yeah. pregnant belly proudly out there just fucking no fear it. no fear at yeah all. Like, no fear. i was like this isn't and fuck anybody who had negative shit to say about that performance that was Great. one of the that's like top 10 super yeah. bowl performances of all time uh all right joey not only do i want you to tell us your pop culture thing but also hey if people enjoyed having you on the show where's some other things where they can check out stuff that you've maybe done in the past or maybe doing in the future all right so Pop culture thing, I'm riding a wave that has been going on since before I was born. We are living in a golden age of comic book love. And I mean, yeah, we've had Batman and Spider-Man and stuff uh, since before. But last week, I saw a movie where Paul Rudd, who is a superhero who talks to ants, goes into an inner space to fight a time traveler with Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. 
and there was a giant killer baby with tiny like heads and like a big head and tiny legs this is as far as i'm concerned the golden age of comic book films because i never thought we'd get the insanity of late 80s mid 90s comics on the screen and i can't wait for like full soap opera x-men and like I mean, we already got maximum carnage, but as far as I'm concerned, this is the golden age. That's and that's what my I'm my friend, uh, my friend Eli was over here the other day, and we were talking about how like because I still haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to see it this week. How like Quantum Mania has been getting this like complete split down the middle. People either think it's like the mm-hmm. most fun they've ever had, or mm-hmm. think that it's trash. And he goes. The typical MCU audience is not prepared for how weird and strange the 80s and 90s era of comic book storylines are about to be for them. Because that's right where we're hitting in these movies right now, where you are either on board for the goofiness or you are about to completely get off the train. (laughs) Mm. Uh, but how about what? where else can people get some more Joey in their lives? Sure. Um, So you can uh, always... Hop on over to Scary Stories to Pod in the Dark if you like uh, hearing about scary stories. Uh, I did something called Dark Hills Gaming for a while. Uh, but currently, and I don't know if this is the audience, uh, I am on a D&D podcast called Blood on the Dice, uh, which is uh, it's D&D, but it's permadeath, and it's super hard. Uh, we are currently <laughs> in Barovia going up against the kind of sexy, kind of scary vampire, Strahd von Zarevich. Uh, and if I die, I'm dead. I'm off the show. So uh, come come root for me. Nice. Very, very cool. Well, next week we're going to have... Is it our first return guest? I think it's our first yeah. return guest. We'll be here next week to talk about the final episode of 2003, The Countdown on the OC. Network.